Linda? Linda, we got a lot of Linda. <laughs> I want to welcome Linda. Uh, here's, she's here for the first time. She's here for the first time, but she, I understand you've been watching, watching in or listening in on YouTube or Skype, huh? Great. What a blessing. Thank you, Lord. I'm glad to have you. It's good to see uh, Braxton, Todd tonight. What a blessing, Ben. Uh, Jacob and his wife, Mandy, and uh, Larry and Carrie. What a blessing. What a blessing to have all of you. And also, everyone that is tuned in, uh, you got some on YouTube as well, tuned mm -hmm. in, right? Uh, is everybody on, if you have any difficulty, we've had some technical difficulty in the past. I uh, want to make sure we clear it up. If you have a difficulty with your sound or anything, uh, uh, we'd like to we'd like to hear from you. Let us know, and uh, I'd like to get that. Make sure we got that corrected. Praise the Lord. So we see Wes is back with us too now. What a blessing! Thank the Lord. Um, anybody uh, have anything particular on their heart? We got a lot going on in the world. It looks like our lives have have been different and changed somewhat uh, with the uh, virus that's going on all over the world right now. Um, uh, Jill even mentioned this, this morning that on the news that we talked about. It. It even being in the, in the ocean, uh, like the water. Uh, have you heard that too? That, that, that like the water has the uh, the the virus in it. Also, you know, the, it kind of reminds me of the Book of Revelation, how where it says that uh, the, there would be poison in the water, and that the waters would be poison as wormwood, uh, and it would get into the water system. So, uh, wow, it's kind of kind of gets pretty wild out there. Who would have thought, huh? Uh, I. Uh, Talk about day and, and uh, how people are, you know, with uh, dealing with fear and death. Um, as a Christian, as a believer, uh, we don't have to fear. We don't fear death uh, because we know that our hearts are right with the Lord. In the book of First uh, John, chapter five, it says, "I've written these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life." Uh, so we know what John wrote to us. He wrote to us that. Uh, that, that if we sin, we have the devil. That if we say we know him and keep not his commandments, uh, we lie and do not the truth. Uh, we know that he that doeth righteousness is righteous, he is righteous. All those things that John wrote to us. He says, I uh, wrote to us so that you know that you can have eternal life. Yeah, Larry? Also, uh, people at Cornerview, uh, nursing home, they are admitting somebody in there has got coronavirus. Admitting them in there with the other people? Yeah, yeah. That doesn't make any sense, it Larry. Sense. We, we've yeah, got Larry's saying uh, the reason why he's bringing it up is because that's the nursing home that we yeah. usually go and minister at. And uh, so, wow, that's pretty. Yeah, a uh, couple of nurses are starting to quit because of that app. That doesn't make any sense. It don't make any sense at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Where did you hear that? Cornerview. Where did you hear it? She knows uh, uh, a couple of the nurses that work there, and they're, they're threatening to quit when that happens tomorrow.
whole moment in life that we're walking through, I know that I am living in God's will for my life. And that is a great feeling to have because there are so many times in my life where I knew that I wasn't right. And I, I can stand and say, I know that I walk in integrity and I walk in the commandments. And not any boast of me, it's all due to Him. Um, but it's a, it's a trying time that we're, that we're in. And we've got to walk and fulfill what He's got for us. Because I don't know, tomorrow I may walk into them and say, hey, you're furloughed. Thought that comes to my head that's a little bit of fear, but there shouldn't be any fear because I got I'm gonna rest in him for what he's done, and that's his will. So maybe he's got something else going on, but I know that you know we were talking about temptation before the enemy's coming, and you know, you, you gotta be aware. It's like a lion, he's roaring and, and seeking who would make who would make devour, but our confidence is in Christ. And uh, I just kind of wanted to share that because that's just that's good, man. That's good because um a lot of people are fearful, um, and a lot of people are also telling themselves, well, you know, fear not. You know, it's okay. So everything's going to work out. You hear that a lot. And, um, and what I say to that is, hey, you really need to fear if your soul is not right with God. If, you're not, if you've got any sin in your life, you need to be fearful. Like we were talking this morning, and we were talking about, uh, we were in Ephesians chapter 5, and we were talking about that Christ is coming back for a church. It says that that, that church is, is to be spotless, uh, have no having no spot, uh, without a wrinkle. You know, like you, you know, you, you iron a shirt and you got a wrinkle in, but there's no wrinkle, there's no flaws. And he says uh, without blemish. Uh, well, bl blemish comes from the word blame. That, that means that they can't, you can't be blamed. Uh, so that church that Christ is coming for is a perfect church. Uh, the church is described as the bride of Christ, as his people. Uh, the church is not necessarily what people call the church. Just like just because if you call yourself a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian, makes you part of the church, is, is what, the, what the Word of God describes it as and what, it, what, what the cost of being a Christian really is. And it's uh, losing your life. If any man comes to me, let him forget himself, lose his life, because if, if he loses life for my sake, he tr shall truly be saved. Uh, but uh, if you don't have that, and, you know, I, I got in trouble this week. Uh, somebody uh, texted me from the family, about uh, 23 people were on the text, and they started saying, oh, fear not, you know, nothing. And I, and I wrote back, and I said, you know me, I, I'll mildly say something back. And I said, uh, well, you know what, if, you're, if you got sin in your life, you ought to be scared to death. I said, because uh, here in Louisiana, we got uh, 11,000 cases of coronavirus, and we've got 400 deaths or whatever it is, and it could happen to you. And if you're not ready to meet the Lord and you got all this going on around you, what's wrong with you? You need to wake up and repent. And uh, they didn't really, some of them didn't take that so well, but that's okay. Uh, Jesus didn't get crucified for, for uh, just being quiet. He spoke, the, he spoke the word. They didn't like it. And they crucified him. And it's no different today. Paul said he hazarded his life for the gospel's sake. The word of God says to go and preach the gospel to every creature. It doesn't say go and sit in a house and don't come out. He says go. Preach the gospel to every creature. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, we can't baptize anybody because we may get coronavirus. He didn't make any addendums there. The Bible says not to forsake the assembling together of the man of you as the manner of some of you are. You know, that we're to continue to hazard our lives 
for the gospel's sake, because you know what? People are dying every day, and they and they and they and it's going to be too late. We have a we have a message to bring to the people, and the message is, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, whether whether man tells us not to, he tells us to. We Paul said, Peter said it's better to obey God than to obey men. So let's walk in the Lord. Let's share the Lord. Let's uh, speak the word of God before it's too late because we do have people dying all around us. I think the enemy would like nothing better than to just have people just hermit up in the house and don't come out, don't speak to anybody, and just not have the gospel go forward. That's exactly what the enemy, enemy wants, and that's exactly what he's trying to do, trying to get people to shut up, get up in your house, shut the doors, don't talk to anybody, don't come out, don't converse, don't baptize anybody, don't, don't speak the word to anybody, and he's getting, getting away with a lot. But the good thing is, is a lot of false churches that close up. That's good. So that people can really stop and think about, okay, what's going on here? You know, I got texts from different churches saying, oh, well, listen, we're doing all these things. They almost like to say, look, keep paying your tithes because we're doing all this stuff. We're still at work over here. You know, come on, man. You know, just, just live the gospel. So we're called to live the gospel. That's the most important thing in our lives is to live the gospel of Jesus Christ so that the world can see how we live that this is so important to us. So Paul says this. He says not only did he hazardous life, he said to man, he said in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, he says, uh, I labored more abundant than any of them. In stripes, I took above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, often. Of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes. 39 stripes, 40 stripes less than one. Three times I was beaten with rods. I mean, come on, you know, did you know about hazard your life for Christ? Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I, I have been in the deep. In journeys often in perils of war, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the heathen, in perils of the city, in perils of wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils of false brethren. In weariness, I'm tired out, kept going. Painfulness, in watching, staying up all night, often. In hunger, in thirst, in fastings, often. In cold and nakedness, besides those things that are the warnings. Man, I did, I lost my life for this gospel. He said, everywhere I walked, went, there was, there was problems that came upon me. Look, listen to these people. How about these people here? In, in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, he talks about suffering, those that suffered for the, for the gospel's sake. He says, uh, the, these all died in faith, uh, but they counted themselves as strangers and pilgrims in this land. They looked in, in, this, in this place and said, this is not my home. This is not where I'm, um, I'm anchoring down as my citizenship. I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. I don't care if I die or if I live. I want to do it in the Lord. And so be it in the Lord because I'm, I'm not trying to establish my, my, uh, my life here. We're not going to live forever here. It's a, uh, forever here. It's appointed unto man once to die. Every one of us is going to die, whether it's now, whether it's tomorrow. And he said, I'm going to go away. He said, but, but I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also, is what he said. So he's, he's getting it ready. Then he goes on down, and he said, These who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. A lot of them were burned to the stake. Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Waxed valiant in fight. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised, raised to life again. Others were tortured for Christ. Not accepting deliverance. They, they could have got it. They could have accepted deliverance, but they didn't. Said so they didn't accept it. Why? Because they wanted a better resurrection. 
They wanted to be part of a better resurrection, the first resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourging, gave them over bonds and imprisonments, and went to jail for the gospel. They were beaten for the gospel, whipped, whipped. They were stoned. They were sawed in half. Now, I don't know if they went, if they sawed them in half this way or they sawed them in half this way. It doesn't really say, Terry. So either one, I guess, is pretty bad, but I think yeah, I'd rather this way really than this way. <laughs> they were sawed in half. They didn't take deliverance. They weren't scared of death. They were sawed in half. Um, tempted. They were tempted, with, were slain with the sword, killed with the sword. They wondered about sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted, tormented, whom the world is not worthy. They wandered in, in, in deserts, mountains, and dens, and caves of the earth. Wow. For the gospel. So what if we die? So what if we persecute? We receive a better resurrection. But to live in this, the Lord, and to preach this gospel and let people know before it's too late. That's the main thing. Amen. Anybody have, uh, you know, we always hear as a church to offer, uh, if anybody's got something on their heart, anybody have, has a need, has a sickness, anything, a need prayer for anything, uh, anybody have something? Yeah, my, my tonsils have been hurting pretty bad, so. Oh, you're like, going to scare everybody, you're going to take your heaven. No, it's just tonsils in general. Uh, <laughs> 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 I was like a little boy, my always had like tonsil problems, uh -huh. so it just hurt, you know. Okay. Yeah. All right, sure. Amen, brother, we will. So I want to pray, you know, my son's been making some bad decisions, and I just want to pray that the Lord use me or bring us together or what, give me the words to say or open the door. I want to be an instrument in, in his life, and I don't really know how to address it, and I just want the Lord to direct that situation. I just want to express it unto him because it concerns me. The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 2, it says, it's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. And you want to pray that God would, uh, would lead your son to a place of repentance. Um, and the scripture says, to those who love his commandments and keep his statutes, he will bless the fruit of his loins. So that's your son. He's the fruit of your loins. Ask the Lord to bless him. And, 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 and he hears that because you're keeping his commandments. Now, blessing him, I always say, bless, bless them with salvation, God. Bless them with waking him up. It's not just a blessing with money and all that. I don't care about that. I want my, my children to walk in the Lord. So I pray that he blesses so I want to hold on to that promise that the Lord would bless him. We can't make somebody serve God, but we certainly ask God to put enough things in their life, whether it's nightmares or whatever it is, to cause them nightmares of hell or whatever it is that will cause them to come to a place of godly sorrow to repentance. Amen. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Anybody on YouTube or Skype would request? Uh, let's let's um, go to the Lord for uh, uh, Braxton uh, and ask the Lord for Ben's son. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I just lift up my brother, Braxton, God, that uh, you would touch his body, Lord. You said, Lord God, that we would, uh, we would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. And Father, I do that even now. Lord Jesus, I ask you, God, right now to touch his body, to make him whole. And I come against all the darkness of evil come to take away and bring sickness upon us. For Lord, you said you bore our, you bore our, our sins and, and carried our sorrows and by your stripes were healed. Lord, you said to forget not your benefits. He forgives all iniquities and he heals all of our diseases. Lord, take this away, God. Even now, Lord, I lay my hand upon it, Father, in 
wash waxes, if you would. Lord, touch his body and make him whole. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I lift up uh, I lift up Dylan to you, God. Uh, we, we both agree on that, Lord, that you'll touch him, Father. And God, even now, that you'll bring him to a point of godly sorrow and repentance, Lord. Uh, that you'll wake, wake him up, Lord. Uh, cause him to have nightmares, whatever it may be, God, that will cause him to come and, and, and realize his faith and make things right before it's too late. In Jesus' Christ's name. And we pray for all those, all of our brethren that are going through hardships right now, uh, losses of, of wages, of jobs, those that are, are sick and uh, have loved ones that are sick and hurting. Uh, we, re we just lift them up to you, Lord, all over the earth. And God, that you would have your way and that you would uh, do your will all over the earth in Jesus Christ's name. Thank you, Father. The scripture says that there's a day coming uh, that the Lord will come back like a thief in the night. Um, the, the, now, he's not going to come back like, like a thief in the night to everyone. Uh, he'll come back as a thief in the night to those who are not ready, those who are not aware of his coming. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that, that those who walk in the light they walk in the day, and they see what's ahead of them. But those who walk in darkness, or walk, they do not see where they're going, where they're going and, that in, and the thief will, and the Lord will come back like a thief in the night. Well, how does a thief in the night come? A thief in the night comes when you least expect them. Uh, so they won't be aware that they're coming. It'll be too late, whether that's uh, through a form of death or whatever it may be. So uh, the Lord doesn't want us to be in darkness that that day should overtake us, the Bible says. But he says in the book of 2 Peter, we'll just turn it, we're in 1 Peter now, but just turn the book of 2 Peter, we'll skip over just a minute, I just want to share this with you. In 2 Peter chapter 3, it says in the last days that people would be scoffing at Christians and saying, sure, you believe in the coming of the Lord, you believe that you're going to escape and go to heaven, and they would scoff that. And, and what number are you on? I'm in, I'm in 2 Peter chapter 3. Uh, I'm not in any particular verse yet, I'll give you one in just a minute, I'm just going to give you an overview right now. But it says they'd be saying, where, they'd be saying hey, where's the promise in the Father? Where's the promise that he said? But the Lord's not slack concerning his promise. But the Bible says he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In other words, the Lord has waited for us, uh, maybe you, maybe me, or maybe there's one more person that he knows will, will make that decision to come to him. So he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. Because a day to the Lord is a thousand years, is a thousand years is a day. Uh, that's not, time is, is not a big substance to the Lord. He's been around for a long, long time. So, but he says, though, he says in verse 10, now I'll give you a, a verse. In verse 10, it says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So we see here he's describing uh, the coming of the Lord and what is going to take place when he does come. He's talking about the heavens. When he says heavens, he means the skies. It's the first heaven, second heaven, and the third heaven. The first heaven is the skies where the clouds are, are, are and all. And he says they're going to pass away with a great noise. There's going to be a great noise when the Lord comes. Remember, if there's a shout of the archangel, the Bible says, and all those things that's going to happen. And the elements shall melt the things of this earth. People, with their cars, all the material things is going to melt, the Bible says, with fervent heat. And also with the works there, everything's going to be burned up. Because we know the Bible says in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, it says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Because the old heaven and the old earth is going to pass away. It's going to be burned up. So seeing that you know these things are going to happen, then he says, what kind of person ought you to be? If you know it's coming, 
if you know he's going to come as a thief in the night, you know all this is going to happen, then how should you be living is what he's saying. But people seem know this, and they're still not living right, Braxton. So he's saying, you know this, you, you should know it. Seeing that, that these things shall be dissolved, destroyed, what man or person ought you to be in the way that you live and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. We're not afraid of that day. We're looking for it and hurrying for that day as believers. Because if you're ready, you're ready to meet the Lord. Some people are scared of that day, and rightfully so, because if your soul's not right, man, you need to come to that place of godly sorrow and repentance. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 6, it says, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. They need to have the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So you need the beginning of wisdom. You need to get things right. But as a Christian, we're looking to and hasting a day. Even though we know what's coming on that day, even though we know that the elements are going to burn with fervent heat, even though we know all of our loved ones that are not in Christ are going to be burned up, they're going to die. You know, somebody said to me, says, well, I'm not, I'm not going to look forward haste to that day. Man, I want to get everybody saved that I can. Man, the Lord knows that. You know, but the Lord has us. We know that's going to happen. But he said, look forward and haste to that day of the coming of the Lord. It's like you know people are dying. And we, we, we understand that. We want people to come to the Lord. There's an urgency in my heart to preach the gospel, to help people come out before it's too late. But yet at the same time, at the same time, I know death is inevitable. Whether a person lives to be 50 years old, 100 years old, 20 years old, the Lord gives the opportunity. And if they don't take the opportunity, that's not on us as long as we're delivering the gospel. That's on them. They made their choice. And we have to live by the choice. Thank God that we came to a place in each one of our lives, hopefully everybody here, that you came to a point in your life where you said, you know what? I can't, I, I got to quit this. I've got to, you changed your mind and you made, and you had a result of you changed your mind in that you left off your old life and you started living for the Lord with all your heart. You've repented, you turned from your sin and you're living righteously now. So we look for in haste to the day. In Revelation chapter six, uh, on the fifth seal, we, we see there those that were beheaded for the witness of Christ uh, and, and were, went through much tribulation in the Lord and they're, they're, they're before the Lord. And they're crying out before the Lord on the, on the fifth seal that was opened. And crying out before the Lord and said, How long, O Lord, will you not avenge our blood on those that were disobedient upon the earth? How long are you going to wait, Lord? And the Lord said, Just give a little more time. He said, A little bit more time. And he says, And wait for the other ones that are yet going to be killed and martyred and beheaded, whatever, to join you. Then when that happens, then it will be time. So the Lord has been long-suffering. But we're looking to and hasting to the day of the coming Lord, wherein the heavens or skies being on fire shall be dissolved and elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. There's no sin in heaven. This new heaven and new earth is only righteousness dwells there. If you're in sin, you're not going to have some magical wand that's going to be cast on you, and all of a sudden you're going to go from sin to righteousness. No, you're going to be the same person you were here when you left earth when you go to judgment. You're not going to be turned into some other creature that doesn't sin anymore. There's no magic trick. If you walk righteous here, that's why he says that those who are righteous be righteous still. Mm -hmm. Let those who be ignorant be ignorant still. Unrighteous, let them be unrighteous still. Because you remain the same when you go before the judgment of God. 
you're not going to change into a different person. You're going you're to have a new body, but you're still going to be you. So, uh, so he said, that's, in heaven is where righteousness is. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, we're looking for that. We're looking and hasting for that. Seeing you look for such things, be diligent. Give all diligence. Be, you know, be, be careful that you be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Mm -hmm. Again, that matches perfectly with Ephesians where he says he's coming back for a church that's without spot, blameless, bl uh, blameless without and without a wrinkle. Right. So he says be careful, be diligent that you be found that way because when you go before the Lord, you, want, you don't want to be found like uh, Wes mentioned this morning in, in, the book of Revel, in the book of Matthew chapter 22. Mm -hmm. There was a wedding feast and the Lord gives this parable and he, and he sent everyone out to invite him to the wedding feast. And at first, none of them were coming of his own people. So then he said, go into the streets and invite everyone. Mm -hmm. And then, he, then the, the king came and he looked in the wedding feast and he looked in there and there were all the people in the wedding feast and he saw one that didn't have the right clothes on, Braxton. He wasn't dressed properly. That's right. And the Lord said, how did he get in here? And they said, get, take him, get him out. And he said, how did you get in here? And the man was like, the Bible said he was speechless. Kind of like those people that are going to be that he talks about in Matthew seven twenty one mm. that where he says point, uh, right. he, that he says there he says well Lord have we not cast out devils have we not prophesied have we not done many wonderful works and he'll say to them because they're speechless and he says to them depart from me you workers of sin I never knew you I don't know who you are the Lord didn't know who that man was he didn't he didn't match up he didn't have the wedding garments on. He had his old clothes on. He still had his sin on. And the Lord says, take him out of there. The man was speechless when he said, what are you doing in here? He said, take him and put him where there's gnashing of teeth and, and torment. He took him out and put him in hell. So he says, seeing that you know this, make sure you give diligence to be found without spot and blameless. Amen? You understand? That's pretty clear, isn't it? I mean, some people say, well, it worked, right? it worked so hard to understand. That's not hard to understand. That's real simple, isn't it? Hey, there's also two other examples, too. There's uh, the ten versions yeah. that are examples. Yeah. And then the Bible also says that he used Sodom and Gomorrah as an example, too, of what to happen <clears throat> as a sign to those that, are with, with, that have sin in their life. So he gives two examples you know, to make sure that you absolutely know exactly what it takes. So he says, look at what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at what happened to... Uh, with, with Cain, mm -hmm. but with, with Jonah, when Jonah went to preach to those people, that God had mercy on them because they did this one thing, which was repent. And if they didn't do that, they obviously wasn't going to receive mercy, but they did, and they received. <laughs> it's it's kind of weird, you know. You know the story of Jonah, right? Everybody knows the story of Jonah. You know, who else does? Jonah. The Lord tells Jonah, He says, Jonah, He says, I want you to go to to Nineveh, mm -hmm. uh, and I want you to preach to Nineveh because I'm going to destroy that city. And preached that I'm going to destroy it in 40 days. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Mm -hmm. And he got on a boat going towards Tarshish. Yeah. And y'all know the story, and the story goes on. Anyway, they cast him out of the boat. Uh, a big fish swallows him up, and he's there for three days and three nights. And after three days and three nights, he burps him up on the, on the land. Mm -hmm. And he's, then, then, then Jonah says, Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. Same thing, go preach in Nineveh. That's right. So he says, Okay. And he goes through Nineveh. He's not even telling them to repent or do anything. He just goes through Nineveh from what the Bible says. And he's just, he's just telling them, 40 days, and the Lord's going to destroy this wicked place. 
40 days, and the Lord's going to destroy this wicked plague. Well, they started listening to him. And the, the king of Nineveh uh, decided, man, we're going we're gonna to make things right. We, we're gonna, I'm sending out a proclamation throughout Nineveh that nobody's to eat or drink, not even the animals, and cover everybody with sackcloth and ashes, cover yourself with sackcloth and ashes, don't eat, don't drink, and cry out to God and turn from all your wickedness, all your sin, turn from your sin to show forth works of repentance to the Lord. And maybe, maybe the Lord will change his mind. He didn't even know that the Lord would change his mind. He's hoping that the Lord will change his mind because Jonah never preached repentance. But then God saw, and he said, and he saw their works. He saw what they did, and it, it repented God. The Bible said God repented. God changed his mind and said, I'm not going to destroy them, destroy them, Jonah. And, he, and so, so he took it over. Let me just ask you this question. So I know in my past I've read the book of Ezekiel, and I've read a bunch of stuff where God destroyed different <laughs> lands. I saw him in Gomorrah would be one as well. So, um, you know, well, we have Corona right now. <laughs> he also destroyed uh, I mean, don't think of the game that it could be. You know. so, I mean, my soul's correct, but, you know, we, we read all that Old Testament, and in in, 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 uh, he went to the land of Nineveh, and God repented, which is very rare to see God repent of so anything, right? Um, I'm glad he didn't repent of his repentance. If he went back right. to sin, he would have. <laughs> So Sodom and Gomorrah, just tell me the story a little bit because I haven't really read the Old Testament. Really, I've been stuck in the New Testament all this time. That was the land where they were walking righteously and they just kind of went astray. And I know the men were with the men and women with the women and worshiping the calves and everything else. And then God told me he was going to destroy them and he destroyed them. You want to say something with that, Wes? Yeah, in reference to, so I can kind of hear Ben, but uh, just say, say it again. What, what was he, what, did he have a question? He was asking the story about, uh, with Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, that what was the story? Why did God destroy the, the people in Sodom and Gomorrah? What, what, all, what were they doing? Why didn't he do the same thing uh, that he did with uh, Nineveh, with Jonah going to Nineveh? Because Nineveh repented in Sodom and Gomorrah, didn't really repent, but you know, obviously God gave room for Lot and his family to escape. So, you know, he still had mercy, and Abraham was pleading with God. You know, if there's 30 righteous, if there's 20 righteous, if there's 10 righteous, so God was hoping to spare spare something or anybody that was really righteous or would have repented. But you know, God obviously knew that. They weren't in that state like the Ninevites. Because God didn't even use, when Jonah came to preach the message to the Ninevites, he just said in 30 and 40 days, you're going to be destroyed. He didn't even give them an ultimatum. Um, mm -hmm. As far as saying, if you, if you repent, yeah. you know, they just chose to do that and God stopped Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Jonah wasn't even preaching a repentance. He was just telling God's going to destroy you. Because what? Cause yeah. Basically because it works. And they, and they chose to repent. Yeah. They chose to. Go ahead. Go ahead, Wes. Yeah, and uh, in Matthew 24, to go along with uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, is it, it says, you know, scoffers will come in the last days. And, then, you know, they said, where is the promise of his coming? 
So then there's these other people that will always scoff at and mock those that are actually living righteous and are the wise and faithful virgins. And so in Matthew 24, it says something similar to this. Uh, uh, verse 45, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season. But it says that, you know, the, the, the wicked servant beats his you know, fellow servants, eats and drinks and gets drunk with the drunkards. But in, in verse 36 of the same chapter, it says, but at that day, how not even the angels of heaven, but only my father, my father only. But as in the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For, uh, for as in the days of Noah, before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until uh, until the day that Noah entered the ark. So that's the attitude. Just nonchalant, eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage beating your fellow servants, getting drunk with the drunkards, and that's kind of like what, what Daniel says in Primo 6. says, woe to those who put far off the day of doom. You know, like that, and that's what a lot of people are doing in our time. They're just putting it far off. I have time. You know, you know, it's not it's not at my doorstep yet. And, and, and don't wait, because that's what they did at the day of Noah. And once the doors shut down, you're going to be the, the one, the unfaithful wise virgins that not and not, but he's not, he's going to, he's not going to answer it that. Yeah, yeah, that, that's good. Uh, really, what it's like, it's like to me. You, you ever go a to a funeral and say, "Man, that guy was a rotten guy. I know he's in hell." How many have ever been to a funeral where they said that? <laughs> Nobody in here, right? What did they say? Well, he's in a better place, <laughs> right? Because they, people want to be real, they, they want to tell people things to make them feel better, you know, which is understandable, but it's still, you still don't know that, you know, and so what do you do, what do they do now? It's going to all work out. It may, it probably, maybe so, you know, but it's going to all be okay, you know, but you tell, tell a person that just lost a loved one, you know, are they, are they sick, you know, then it's like, oh, well, I guess it'll tell somebody that's already in hell, it's going to work out just fine, you know, you're going to be fine. No, it's not. You need to work it out now. That's why he said, now's the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. And he said, get this right. Also, I wanted to give you, Ben, on, on Sodom and Gomorrah. It says, uh, it says here in verse 7 of, of, of 2 Peter chapter 2, he said, uh, <clears throat> he said that he delivered just Lot. Just Lot just means righteous. Lot was li living righteously. He was just. Uh, vexed troubled with the filthy lives of the wicked that were around him. For that righteous man, so Lot, Lot was righteous and he was just. That righteous man living among them and seeing and hearing what was going on around him vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. So the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust until the day of, of of judgment to be punished. Thank God he, de he delivers us. The Lord knows how to deliver us out of these things going on around us. He knows that he delivers us out of temptation gives us the way of escape. But he, he, it vexed his righteous soul. Doesn't it vex your soul 
living amongst what we see and hear today, just like in Sodom and Gomorrah, it's the same kind of thing. I gotta ask, what does vex mean? Vex means troubled. It troubled his soul. It it, it really broke him, broke his heart. It was it was difficult for him to live around because of just seeing that. You know, sometimes you just feel nauseous because people just don't want to listen. They just want to do their their yeah. junk, and you're living around that. Here's where I'm at with all that because I, you know, when you walk this walk and you talk to different people, you know, everybody seemingly has this form of godliness to deny the power of the devil that we talked about. But in my life, until I got to the point where I was so fed up with that lifestyle and was wanting to change, there was nothing nobody could tell me because I was sold out to what how I was living. But I know the scriptures talk about ears to hear and eyes, you know. I know we got to keep preaching the word and, and just walking in what we're supposed to walk in uh, and, and still tell a person, but I tell people all the time, but yet they do whatever they want to do. Well, well people uh, get that then by, by um, resisting the Holy Spirit, by quenching the Spirit, by um, ignoring uh, conviction in their own conscience. Uh, they sear their conscience with a hot iron, so they, they have eyes that they cannot see and ears that they cannot hear because they brought that upon themselves mm -hmm. of, of the way that they have lived in the past. And it's the goodness of God to lead somebody to repentance to let, let the life fall, fall apart enough, like in Hosea chapter 2, to where they will come to their senses like the prodigal son and realize like, oh man, this is not working. You know, I, I need to, you know, go back and, you know, and hum they humble themselves and go back and say, man, I'll just be a hired servant. You know, I'll just do everything, whatever, but I'm not going to do that anymore. Brother Glenn, you want to say something, my bro? Turn your mic on. We don't hear you, Glenn. Put your mic on. Got it. Here. Okay. Okay, now. Uh, when I was uh, around 20, uh, when I wasn't, I was living in the world and I'm living in sin, basically. My mum, she uh, shared with me one Bible verse in the book of Revelation, and that just woke me right up. Okay. That's... that's um, Revelation 20, verse 15, and she read it out to me, and it says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, I tell you what, that was... The wake-up call, I'm glad. <laughs> I thank God for my mother, you know. She cared enough to speak to me the, a hard truth, you know. Yeah, and that's good. That would that that led me to the Lord basically. It was an ongoing process after that, but yeah. praise God. Amen. That's we, good. We speak the hard truths to people, like Jonah did. You know, he warned the people. Yeah. Um. Results will with the consequence. Well, yeah, it 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 brought fear in your life, which had fear causes you to come to the Lord. Like he said, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. And your mother quoted that verse. And as a child, you're like, you're like, whoa, I'm scared, you know? And a lot of people don't want to, they think, well, it's not good to be scared. No, it's a good thing to be scared because you don't want to wait until that day and be scared because then it's too late. You got to take care of it now. So that's good, Glenn. I appreciate that word. That's good. Amen. Thank you. First Peter. Huh? Okay, let's go back to First Peter. 
chapter 5. I think we went up to, uh, to verse 5. We did the first four verses already. Verse 5 of chapter 5 of 1 Peter. Um, would you read uh, verse 5 through verse 14, Cedric? Sure. It says, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yes, all of you, be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and give grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a warring lion, walketh about, seeketh whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing at, that at the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are within the world, or that are in the world. But the grace of all, but the God of all grace, who have called us into eternal life, is turned to glory by Christ Jesus. After that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish and strengthen and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Lacedonius, am I pronouncing that right? Sylvanus, yes. Yeah, correct. Sylvanus. A faithful brother unto you, as I suppose, I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein you stand. The church that is in Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you, and so does Marcus, my son. Greet you one another with a kiss of love, a kiss of charity, and peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, a short part there of the last part of chapter 5, and perhaps we'll get into 2 Peter 1, which is very, very heavy duty. So it says... He started out with, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to, to the elder, to the older in the Lord. Yea, uh, all of you be subject one to another, be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So he's admonishing uh, us to be submissive and, and um, to submit ourselves to be subject one to another in, a, in an attitude of humbleness, to be ready to receive, you know, and to, if we're wrong, to be corrected in something that we may not have knowledge in uh, and to receive that. Even Christ himself, he says in Philippians chapter 2, that he humbled himself. Go there with me just a minute. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. Let's go Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians chapter 2. Um, he talks about being like-minded, having the same uh, love one for another, have love without dissimulation. And he says in verse 3 of chapter 2 of Philippians, he said, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, uh, but in lowliness of mind, in humbleness of mind, uh, let each esteem other than, 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 him, than themselves, uh, better than themselves. So he says, do, basically, another version says, do nothing out of vain conceit, uh, but, but, it's, but exalting. Do you have that version you're reading from that? I think somebody might have that, no? Uh, let each of you look out. For, not for his own things, but also for the things of others, yeah also for the interests of others uh, it's, it, for me just reading that it's just dying to self I mean, you know, it's not yeah. about you it's about yeah. what kind of yeah. serving others it's kind of like the second commandment to love, love your neighbor as yourself uh, verse 4 says but not every man on his own things but every man also on the things of others uh, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God because he was God also but made of himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. 
God making, being made in the likeness of men. He humbled himself to that extent. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, even became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He didn't have to go along with them crucifying him. He could have called in a legion of angels and took care of that. But he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him name above every name. So Christ did this, who uh, basically created all things seen and unseen, humbled himself, became a man, became obedient unto death, became a servant to man. How much more do we submit ourselves one to another as a brethren in Christ? Uh, anybody have anything else they want to say on that? Okay. We're going to talk about temptation a little bit today. And, uh, and I was reading earlier, you know, he was tempted just like we were tempted as well. And, you know, he is, he is the, it says, be like him, like it, do his walk like you're, like you're walking, you know. Um, but I would read that, and I know you talked about it, we talked about it several times, but he, he walked on this earth sinless, and he was tempted. But he was tempted in order to secure us who are tempted. So, you know, he did exactly what we did. And he said, now follow my steps. Because he showed us how to live that life under temptation and overcome. That's why he says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that no temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. God's faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond you are able, but will provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear. So he says now, he says, cast all your cares upon him. For he careth for you. Verse what a beautiful seven. scripture, huh? Verse 7. Yeah, verse 7. Um, that reminds me of um, Matthew chapter 11. Go to Matthew 11 with me. Matthew chapter 11. I might have answered a couple of scriptures that we'll, we'll go through. Uh, Matthew chapter 11. In verse 28, Jesus says this. He says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All those who are carrying burdens, all those who are stressed, all those who need help, come to me, he says. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. How are you going to learn of him? Study his word, your relationship with God. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your soul. It's kind of like that rest you were talking about, Dan. Where you cast all your cares, where you lay all your burdens on the Lord. He, says, he said, I want them. Give them to me. You know, don't worry about anything. And he said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yeah, a lot of people tell me, well, it's easy to take the Lord's yoke on. It's, oh, no, it's hard. It's only hard when you're trying to hold on to your own life. When you let your own life go, and it's not about you anymore, and it's just about the Lord, it becomes easy. The commandments become easy. Because, and he says that in, in 1 John chapter 5, he said, my, my commandments are not burdensome. They're not grievous. They're easy. Um, so here he's talking about casting all your cares on him. Go with me to, now to Philippians chapter 4. Uh, I love this chapter, uh, along with many others, but he's talking about, uh, about your walk in the Lord and how to walk. He says in verse 4 of chapter 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation or gentleness be made known to all men. So how often are you supposed to rejoice? 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks, for this is, this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. He says, and then he says, Be careful for nothing. He used to have, be in a group that says, Well, uh, somebody said, Well, be careful on your way home. And they said, No, the Bible says, Be careful for nothing. No, be careful. That's not really what it's talking about. It's talking about not worrying about anything. You know, don't, don't worry. That same Greek word for worry or anxious is the same word here. Be not anxious for anything. Don't, don't worry about anything. But ha what, what do you do when something comes? What do you do when the coronavirus comes or, or when you get a, a bill in the mail that you weren't expected and it's a lot bigger than you thought? Uh, or what, whatever it might be, what do you do? He says, uh, he says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, and then what? With thanksgiving, you make your request made known to God by prayer, supplication, and what you do, begin to thank him. Why? Because you believe that you receive what you ask for. And like it says in Mark 11. Uh, and, but you request me know. And then what happens to you? That's right. And, and take note there, Braxton. You said that the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That was a bit of a good point, too. Could have been point number six on the video we made today uh, on that, you know, uh, you want to um, you keep your mind and heart in the Lord Jesus when you let your request be made. Don't get the peace of pass on us, and it will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus in that way. And then right after that, he goes on and he says, finally, whatsoever things are honest, whatever things are true, whatever things are good report, think on those things we were talking about today about keeping your mind filled with the things of God uh, so that when darts come, they just bounce off, that you're not going to give any place to the devil in your life. Uh, let's go back to uh, 1 Peter again. Here's the next one. He says, be sober, verse 8. Now, when I think of sober, uh, or let me ask you this, what do you think when the Bible says be sober? You ever hear somebody say, man, you need to sober up, <laughs> you know? Uh, so what does that mean? That means that you're straight-minded, right? That you're thinking straight. Okay, be sober, be vigilant. What does vigilant mean? Aware. Aware, watch out, right? Yeah. You know, keep a watch out. Why? Because you have an adversary. You got an adversary. You got an enemy. Because your adversary, the devil. Who's the adversary? The devil. What is he doing? He's walking around seeking whom he may devour to try to destroy you, to try to get you to go back to the world, to, to persuade you to do evil. Uh, you have an adversary, the devil, who walks about as a roaring lion. Now, how does a roaring lion walk around? A roaring lion walks around, and he, he's roaring, he's making a loud noise, isn't he? Sometimes that noise can come in your ear louder than anything else is coming. For instance, if a temptation, when it comes in your ear, or comes in that thought realm, it comes there, it comes powerfully, doesn't it? it, it because the enemy, when he, placed, when he puts the bait out there, he doesn't tell you the consequences of the temptation if you succumb to it, what it will result in. He only tells you how it will feel at that moment and make you think it's going to be good. But he's a liar, isn't he? The father of all lies, Jesus called him in John chapter 8. He, only, he, he, he doesn't tell you the result of the sin. He only tells you how good it's going to be at that time. And sin is pleasurable for a season, but it brings forth a, res a result. Galatians chapter 6 says that God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If we sow to the flesh, we reap corruption. If we sow to the spirit, we reap eternal life. 
So he's walking around like that. What does the Bible say for you to do when that enemy comes at you? What do you do? What do you do? Resist you resist him. Yeah. Steadfast in the faith. Remember he said when, in, in um, Ephesians chapter 6, it says to be strong, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. To put on the whole armor of God, which you will be able to stand against the, wild, the darts of the enemy. For we fight not against flesh and blood. Your, your warfare is not against another person. That other person is not your problem. It's not. The Bible says that. We fight not against flesh and blood. Well, who's the problem? He says we fight against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. Now, the enemy and those powers can work through the guise of another person. But the real problem is, is what that what the enemy is putting in that other person to come at you. The real problem is the darkness, the uh, principalities, the powers, the rulers of darkness in high places that are coming at you through, through the enemy. So when you, when it's not the person you attack. You go, I know where this is coming from. I recognize what's coming out of that person's voice, mouth. This isn't that person. This is the enemy using that person to come to me and get me to move. And you know who he'll try to do the most with? He'll try to do the most work with that with those who are closest to you, whether it's a wife, a husband, a brother, a sister, or whoever is closest to you. The enemy will try to use that to get you to move, but you don't move. You stay steadfast. So we resist him steadfast in the faith, uh, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplishing your brethren that are in the world. We talked about that somewhat today. You know, well, how do you fight the devil? Okay, we're talking about a warfare here. Give me, give me five, give me five ways to fight the enemy that's coming at you. Oh, through, like, through God's word. Through God's word, okay. Give me specifics in God's word. Give me specifics in your life of how, okay, the enemy comes at you. How do you fight against the devil when he comes at you? Okay, he brings a thought to you. How do you fight off that thought? Okay, okay. What? Uh, that's the first one. That's found in Second Corinthians chapter ten. Casting down imaginations and everything that exalts itself to, to the word of God and bring every thought to the obedience of Christ, right? That's one way of, of, of stopping it. Wes? Submit, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James? That's another one, yeah. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Okay, that's another one. Somebody give me another one. Huh? Very good, very good. He remember that in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, seeking and singing and making melody in your heart. So the word admonishes us to do that, doesn't it? That doesn't necessarily turn on your radio and listen to music. He says, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Because your mind is only going to think about one thing at a time. And if you got your mind singing and making melody while you're going through the day in your heart, a, a, a cheerful heart is, is, is a melody in the Lord. You know, so you, you're bringing that forth in the Lord. Anybody got another one? Perfect peace as he keeps his mind stayed on the Lord. Very good. Uh, what is that? Isaiah 26.4. He says, a perfect peace will I give to him whose mind is stayed on the Lord uh, because he trusts in the Lord. His mind's on the Lord because he trusts the Lord. So he's thinking about those things in the Lord constantly. His mind is stayed on the Lord. So that's another point. How about another one? Anybody got another one? Huh? 
1 Corinthians 10, 13, very good, uh, very good. He, what does he say? He says to take the way of escape. Remember, he says, uh, no temptation is taking us, but such as is common to man. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but will through the temptation make a way of escape. Glenn. Uh, when Jesus said, uh, watch and pray, watch and pray. into temptation. The, Good. Uh, indeed, is ready, is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's a verse that's helped me a lot. Watch and pray. Amen. 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 That's good. Thank you. Another one? Anybody got another one? Think. How do you, if you do these things, you're resisting the devil. Should you sit there and maybe have dialogue with the devil and try to just fight him head on? Absolutely not. No? Okay. Uh, what about this one where Paul writes, anybody got another one before I say one? Do I get one more? I got one more. Paul writes in um, Philippians chapter 4. We quoted it earlier. Think on those things that are good, and pure, and honest, and of good report. See, you put your mind on, on things good. You don't fight the thought of the enemy coming at you. You leave the thought of the enemy coming at you, and you put your mind on those things that are good. Hello, Don. There you are. You got, you got one for me, Don? Good, good evening. Uh, I'm having internet problems, but uh, I got it straightened out. Um, put, on, put on the whole armor of God. Oh, there you go. That's a good one. Yes, amen. You fight the enemy by putting on the whole, whole armor of God. What's the armor of God? Okay, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, the helmet of salvation. You know, when you put the helmet of salvation, the enemy can't come in and get those thoughts, right? Uh, the breastplate of righteousness, he can't get to your heart, right? So those are things that Jesus is that armor as you put it on. Your loins are girded about with truth. You walk in and go in the right places. Your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You, you're walking in, in, in the ways of the Lord. Uh, take the helmet and take the, the shield of the... You went out on me, Don. Take the shield of the faith, which is able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. So by faith, you quench those fiery darts. And above all, he said, praying with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. So those are the ways oh, to... Oh, another one. You another got another one? First uh, Corinthians 14. Uh, he speaks about edifying yourself. Uh, speak praying in the spirit. Oh, do you know what? That's good. Isn't it? But it's in Jude uh, 22. He says, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Uh -huh. So it builds up yourself. So see how many different ways there are. Uh, Wes, go ahead. Don't overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, go the extra mile, feed your enemy, pray for your enemy. All those things rebuttal and pretty much crush any attack from the enemy. Yeah, because uh, you man, you do all those things that the enemy, he don't, he don't have any space in there to get anywhere with you because you're doing the will of God. And God's going to be, God is there to protect us. If God be for you, who can be against you? He's watching you back. But your, your part to do is to take your mind and put your mind on those things that are good, to cast down those imaginations, to keep the whole armor of God. Now, should I, should I put the whole, whole armor of God on every morning? No. Oh, I love you guys. That's so good. Keep the armor of God on. I don't want the devil coming at me all night long in my dreams, do you? So you keep the armor on all the time. Amen. Very good. A lot of people say, well, when I get up in the morning, I put the armor of God on. Well, why did you take it off that night? Leave it on. You don't take the armor off. Leave the armor on. Praise the Lord. 
Well, that's good. That's really good, guys. Okay, so... Verse 10. Verse 10. But the, the grace of all, the God of all grace who has called us into eternal glory by Christ Jesus, I said you suffered a while, make you perfect, established, strengthened, settle you. Okay, now I notice in this word perfect here, it's not the same word perfect as morally perfect. There's two Greek words in, for perfect. And uh, this particular word is the same word where Jesus said, today I cast out devils, tomorrow I heal the sick, and the third day I am perfected. It didn't mean that Jesus stopped sinning because he never started sinning. That word perfected simply means complete. It means finish, consummate. So it, it, the other word perfect, like, like he says, for, like he says in Philippians 4, for as many of us as be perfect, let us be thus minded. That's a morally perfect. Or be ye therefore perfect as you fall in heaven. That's a morally perfect. But this perfect is actually a complete perfect. That, that you're complete. He establishes you, strengthens you, and settles you. Amen? Okay. Um, so that, that pretty much finishes up that chapter then, right? Mm -hmm. uh, how much do we have time to? We've got five minutes. Five minutes? Oh, I want more than five minutes. That's all we got. <laughs> well, we close out that chapter, and um, it was a blessing. Anybody have anything else to say on what we spoke of today? Well, actually, um, to end it off with that word suffered, that refers back to uh, the last chapter we were just in, where we suffered as Christ, that those have ceased. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with, with, uh, what he's saying is in First Peter chapter 4, we're in 1 Peter 5, we just finished 1 Peter 5, but in 1 Peter chapter 4, we read some things there that after you've suffered a while, um, arm yourself with the same mind, for he has suffered in the flesh, has ceased or stopped sinning. So that is a moral perfect there. That is, uh, that he, and he no longer lives the rest of his life for his own will, but for the will, uh, for the will of, of the Father. So he is living a holy, perfect, sinless life, which is what God has for us. And then we read also that think it not strange. Uh, a lot of people say, man, I don't know what's going on with me. When we talked about this some before, I don't know what's going on with me, but I'm under attack all the time. I've got all these bad things coming at you. How many of you ever had waves, seem like waves of troubles that come at you? And then all of a, then something you'll go through that, and then all of a sudden it's, it's like you got in smooth water, you know? Yeah. But for a while it looks like, man, they're just coming at me. They're just coming at me. The Bible says in, in that fourth chapter, Verse 12, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials as though some strange thing is happening. In other words, this is supposed to come. You're supposed to be tested. Right. You're supposed to go through these things and overcome and be not moved by those things. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? All right. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. Greatest thing in all of our life is love.
gave up beauty for ashes. We all adjourned the morning, the spirit of rain for the garment of heaviness and we be trees of righteousness, the planting of Beauty for ashes, the all of joyful morning, a spirit of praise for the garment of heaviness, and we might be trees of righteousness, the planting of
That's all stinging. done for you. 